you're developing your international business, one thing is often forgotten, cultural differences. The Culture Matters International Business Podcast does exactly that. Focus on international business and cultural differences. Chris and Peter guide you through the maze of business and cultural differences in every podcast episode. Get the global perspective here at the Culture Matters International Business Podcast. Well, good morning, um, good afternoon, or, or good evening, of course, or good evening, good night, wherever you are listening in the world. Um, the, this is um, Culture Matters. Uh, my name is Chris Smith, and welcome to Culture Matters on International Business, where we talk about topics um, that pertain to culture and cultural differences. This is um, my location, and that location is Paris, and the other person on the other side is, hello, Peter. It's Peter. My name is Peter van der Lende. I am in Atlanta, USA. Uh, today we're going to talk once again about uh, signs you're not getting it. Uh, that was what we did last time, nine signs you're not getting it. Of course, we're talking about culture, cultural differences. And uh, since there was quite, an, uh, quite a reaction uh, to our um, episode on nine signs, we decided to pick nine more signs that you're not getting it, correct? Yes, indeed. So that is an article and a podcast and a webinar that you can find on culturematters.com. The first nine signs that you're not getting it. Let's hit this off and start with number one, please. And number one is uh, something that you and I uh, uh, like to talk about because we have seen this happening in front of our, of our very eyes because there are companies who say, you know, if you have differences in culture, uh, we may recognize some of that, but uh, we can get over it by just giving everybody some sort of so, something to read, a book. Uh, we can give you a book on, for example, the Dutch. Uh, so if you're an American and you're going to live in the Netherlands or you're doing business with the Dutch, we can give you a book that we both know. It's called The Undutchables. It's actually written by a Brit and an American. And of course, they had insight in the Netherlands because they live there. But what happened was in this specific example that you actually lived through, and I have another example, is that uh, these Americans in this particular case didn't have exposure to the, to the Dutch. They were just given the book, read the book, and then went to the Netherlands, and it was basically a confirmation of all these stereotypes, right? So you have the Dutch, they are very blunt, they are very direct, you have the red light district, they are very liberal. Uh, all sorts of you know, windmills and clocks and and, uh, and what have you. So it was more of a confirmation of all these stereotypes. So the Americans were like, yeah, we read in the book that it was all funny and sometimes maybe even crazy. Now we know for sure, as opposed to helping uh, cultures getting over or getting uh, get, getting people over that uh, over that uh, obstacle. And the same thing, I I, uh, I started working with the French, and there's a book it's called uh, Sixty Million Frenchmen Cannot Be Wrong. Uh, this is, of course, the American uh, stereotype, like, uh, oh, everything in France is not really working or is very bureaucratic, but they're very successful. And also that book talks about uh, stereotypes, but it actually does a pretty good job also putting things into in, in historical perspective. I will end just this section, Chris, with by saying I do think that books matter. Uh, so books matter, culture matters. If you are um, giving the right book, I mean, there are many, many books that talk about cultural differences. Uh, you can even find them, uh, find them on culturematters.com, but also books that are talking about uh, the differences between people and putting it in a larger perspective. And I always mention these books of thinking fast and slow and, and the wisest one in the room, etc. 
those are not books that talk about stereotypical things or, or, or emphasize, uh, uh, emphasize stereotypes. So that's the number one sign. If, if, if a company says, here's just a book and read through it, that's one. But there are more. So the number two, Chris, is uh, people are talking, talking about money or their budgets, right? Yeah, of course, it's always about the money, right? It's too expensive. Number two is, uh, it, the title of number two is it's too expensive. And uh, of course, everything is, is, is it costs money and there's nothing like a free, a free lunch. Even the sun, sometimes you have to pay for this thing to come up or to actually see it. And so we also don't work for free, right? But not paying attention to cultural management or to cultural competence in this case, is is also very expensive i'll give you some examples here um these are examples that i, I bumped into personally in the 20 plus years that i've been doing this banks outsourcing their it to india and not getting back what they want right so they outsource their it in phases uh in, in um, yes indeed in phases to a country like india because everybody speaks english and everybody is an it here in india which is now the case and they they get what they ask for but they don't get what they want and then they're confused which is time and money wasted turkish it staff staff and i've seen them personally that don't consult their boss for further clarification of what they need to do it results in projects running over time because they don't get enough enough steering which they needed again time and money wasted um us expats and this is particular for us uh, for american expats uh, that can't settle in their new country. Uh, usually it's the partner, the non-working partner, that determines whether the working partner will stay or not stay because they simply don't understand. They can't root in their in their new country. It doesn't always happen, but it's an expensive affair. And Southern Europeans ended up in a deep depression due to culture shock, people not understanding the fact that they come in a different country and that they that different country is well that country is different and hence their experience will be different and they've got no no association to hang up to hang this with to, to associate this with and so it's all time and money wasted so i've i've had this experience not so long ago when the mars bar company came to me uh, and asked could, could you do a write a proposal for some cultural intervention because we're having trouble there and i i came back with my normal fee um, and indeed, they came back uh, with the answer, it's too expensive. But what they don't keep into account is the, the time and money it costs by not paying attention to it. Move on to number three, Peter. Yeah, number three is, is something that uh, we've seen in the past a lot as well. It is the language, of course, the impact of language. And uh, companies might say, we have some issues with um, different offices uh, across uh, across the globe and and we believe that we may need to do something when it comes to differences and cultural differences but the problem is language and uh, if if english is not widely spoken or any lingua franca and for the most part of course in business in the world it's english uh, the company might say or use the excuse uh, it is not uh, worthwhile for now because the english of our employees across the world is not good enough for us to teach them or to make them more cultural competent because they wouldn't understand. So we may need to improve the English or we don't do it at all, etc. Of course, you can ask yourself the question if you're an international company, should you not have people who at least speak uh, the lingua franca, the common used language uh, good enough to understand uh, a potential um, cultural competence course? But that's another matter. But what we always say is 
don't underestimate what people actually understand. If if a person speaks somewhat English, uh, and but it doesn't sound fluent to you, that doesn't mean that that person doesn't understand it. Sure. And it is worthwhile just to get get over it and use use all the tools you have to make. Um, to make people cultural competent, even though it sounds like maybe to you that it's not very fluent. And there's one example that I want to share here as well, which is a, an articles that I read sometimes, scientific articles that prove that in fact, uh, it can be hugely underestimated what people understand. And the one article is called Piensa Twice, it's like think twice in this course Spanish English. And this article shows that if a person is actually does manage a second language, but is not very fluent, that person might understand certain issues even better or can analyze it better or is a better decision maker than the person who processes it in, in their own language. And the reason is that the emotion gets uh, filtered out. So for example, if I tell you, uh, Chris, that you are a rude person or you, because you're Dutch, uh, you might feel offense. But if I say it in a language that you barely understand, the emotion gets out and you just analyze what's being said. So don't underestimate people who speak a second language but and might not be that fluent or appear not to be that fluent. Good point. Number four, showing um, of the nine signs that you're still not getting it and that it is culture. Yeah. Number four is we've always done it this way. So why change? Indeed, well, change is hard. Change is indeed hard. Uh, what tends to happen uh, a lot is when organizations um, venture out into different cultures in different countries in this case what they do is they, they they take the blueprint of how they're doing it back home in their original country and they take that blueprint and they, they put that blueprint directly onto the other country and there are so many examples where these these mergers and acquisitions simply go wrong because people don't adapt or adjust to the, the different cultures. So for instance, you can do a project. If, you, if you're used to doing project management the, the French way and you export that to say the Netherlands or to Iceland or whatever corner of the world you want to go, then whatever works in France will not necessarily, usually not actually work in the other country. So that was number four in terms of we've always done it this way. So why change? What's number five, Peter? Yeah, we've done it always this way is, of course, a classic, not only in, in terms of culture and, 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 and all of that, but it's, it's, it's kind of like change in general, right? We've always done it this way. You know, the, the next one is, and this is one of my favorites, uh, and I've seen it many times. For example, there was once uh, an American director who told me that when uh, she, was, she was or he was, I for, forgot, uh, visiting the Netherlands, uh, that uh, after a meeting, uh, they were talking in, in, in inappropriately, so there was it was very direct. So they found it rude. It was also inappropriate. While the Dutchman, with the beer in his hand after the meeting, was just reflecting on what happened in the meeting in terms that the American didn't understand. And the reaction was, "Well, John or Jan, uh, let's say, is a very rude person, and 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 I'm offended." And I, I told that person and, and the American person saying, you know, in, in general, the Dutch talk like that. The Dutch tend to be very direct. We've talked about this many, many times. It may come across as offensive to you, but it's not this guy. It's just after the meeting, we tend to analyze it and make jokes about it, even sometimes inappropriate for other cultures. 
So it's not a personal thing, it's a cultural thing. If you can put this back into where it belongs, which is culture, then that person would not have been offended and could just have could have had the opportunity to just get over it. Right. So personal, it's not always personal. Sometimes it's just culture. What is the next one, Chris? Business is business in any country. <clears throat> if you believe that, you'll believe anything. Um, so, of course, fundamentally, business is business in any country. And most of the, of the businesses uh, are there to run, um, to earn money. Um, but if you look at a company like Greenpeace, they're not necessarily out there to earn money, but they have objectives. Okay, fair enough. Um, so here is an example that uh, that I found quite interesting. And again, we're going back to the Netherlands, of course, is our, our, both our home countries. Um, it, and this is the example. If you if you give someone or the person that you're doing business with with in the Netherlands uh, before your negotiations a bottle of wine. So you go at this meeting and you go there and you say to this person, "Here's a bottle of wine," um, and um, the, the Dutchman with whom you're doing business would of could consider this as bribery, um, and which actually should could bring your your uh, your negotiation and your business to a bad end. However, in neighboring Belgium, south of the Netherlands and France and Spain and Italy and possibly many other countries, bringing a bottle of wine before negotiations is actually a sign of respect. And that could actually smoothen, not only because of the alcohol, but could smoothen the negotiation process because indeed it is seen as a sign of, uh, of respect. So business is not business in any country. Number seven, Peter, for you. A business is business in, in, in the sense that business, yes, of course, uh, companies have uh, a bottom line, right? Uh, but it's how to get to that bottom line is the how, right? That's how our culture comes in. Uh, yeah, it, the next one is it's not a priority. And this is, this is uh, many times it's actually understandable. It's, 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 it's not difficult to see why a company might say that. And what I just told you an hour ago or so, Chris, is like a, it, it, it's like a little bit of a sidestep, but it tells a similar story uh, as I still do business in the airport and airline space where a, a one particular airport currently uh, post-COVID, we're now in, in August uh, uh, 2022, uh, was, is facing a situation where there is no staff, no staff available, staffing issues, and there are passengers standing in line for like two, three, four hours to get through the, 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 the airport process. Mm -hmm. And I called one of these guys and I said, you know that self-service is a solution for this, right? If you don't have staff, you put self-service, uh, a self-service process. And you check in yourself and you label your own luggage, right? Yeah, you label your own luggage. You can drop off your own bag. Uh, you don't need necessarily to see a person. You can use biometrics to get through immigration. You can use biometrics to get on board and all of that stuff. Uh, is all doable. It has been done already across the world. And this person was saying, yes, exactly, you're right. It is a top priority, uh, but we have other priorities now, more important priorities. So even in a crisis situation, there are other priorities. Now, understandably, of course, he has other priorities because he needs to resolve this problem and to implement something like this takes time. Uh, and the same thing happens with culture. We have issues with our foreign offices we have issues with our foreign suppliers. We don't understand them, but we have a shortage of suppliers now. So we need to get through this. But at the end of the day, uh, it is always underestimated that the problems you might have to begin with 
is because you don't understand them and they don't understand you, which is a cultural problem. So it might be wise to make some of that stuff a priority. The next one, Chris, is what? Uh, oh, that's a nice one. Basically, setting your priorities is a good priority. Yes. That could also be one. Okay, number eight uh, and number nine. Cultural differences will be a thing of the past soon. Um, well, it could be. It hasn't happened so far. Um, at least I think. And the example here, what I want to use, and what what most people tend to think actually, because of internet, because of globalization, um, because we can order everything online that we want, that these indeed those cultural differences will be a, a thing of the past in say 50, 50 years time. Well, for those of you who uh, are living in the eurozone, where we use the euros or primarily Europe, uh, this this new currency was introduced in nineteen ninety nine. Right, and the question here, the very simple question here, is 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 how much did Europe change after the introduction of the euro in 1999? Right. Uh, okay, we had Brexit. That was the logical thing to do for for because of the British. They have always looked west um, and and never and never towards Europe. They they think Europe is the continent, and they're not really part of Europe. So that European inter integration. If you look at the at the troubles that the European Commission in Brussels has time and again to come to one line you know what the the, the the current tumult the cold the current polarization going on in the world not only in europe but also in the united states and in other countries the fact that so many countries are fiddling with their constitution to either stay in power longer or to push things through which actually should not belong in the constitution but should be um, a general legal stuff for the courts right and also we are traveling more and more. That's what a lot of people think. But if you are part of that lucky ones, the lucky few that travel, of course, there are, there are millions of people that do travel. But all in all, it's only 5 or 10% of the world population that is as privileged or fortunate to um, to be able to travel. And I don't think the cultural difference will be in the, in the thing of the past soon, which is good for us, of course. So we'll stay in business. I'll do number nine as well, Peter, if you're okay with that. Um, doing business simply requires honesty. That's something that a lot of people agree with, but they, the, the, the point that they're missing is that the word honesty is culturally loaded. In other words, the word honesty is not culturally neutral. In other words, what's, what's uh, honest in one country is not honest in another country. And the example that came here was actually uh, got, uh, was given to me uh, when I was doing a workshop we were talking about Nike, the sports apparel company. Um, they have, being an American company, they have a so-called no gift policy. So in other words, you're not allowed to receive gifts and you're not allowed to give gifts. That's the no gift policy. Then there was this guy from Turkey in my my physical class, the class that I, I was doing at that moment. And he, he la looked at me and he laughed at me. And he said, well, this, this is nonsense. If I don't give gifts, if I don't take gifts, then nothing would come off the conveyor belt here. And um, and actually, he he put it like this. I use this gift giving. Um, and for me, that's not honest. It is to grease the wheels of business. And I really like the word that always stuck with me. Um, so that was number nine in terms of... Um, uh, yeah, I, I, just to, I, I just wanted to add, Chris, uh, the, the, one, the thing that we said like in, uh, uh, just an hour ago as well is like the, the perception of honesty as well. Uh, between the English and the Dutch, and the, there's this famous 10-point 
um, joke about what the English uh, says and what the Dutchman hears and things like that, right? And uh, so he was saying, like, the Dutchman might say something to the Englishman, uh, which is very direct, like, this meeting was not good, or it may, may, he may even use a profanity to say, like, this meeting was S, right? And the Englishman might find that offensive. But at the same time, the Englishman might say, that is very interesting, let's, uh, let's see what we can do. Meaning, the Englishman saying, I'm not interested in what you have to say. And for the Dutchman, then, after the fact, when nothing happens, might find it dishonest. Right? So the, the perception of honesty, as you said, is culturally loaded. So that might even be the case between almost, let's say, almost neighbors like the English and the Dutch. Indeed. All right, well, we've um, um, uh, given you another menu of nine, th- nine things, nine more things you're not getting here. It's culture stupid. Just pay attention to cultural differences, not only because we get paid well, but simply because it's it's an important aspect in uh, in business. All right. Um, that's it for this one, um, and I guess with the next topic we will keep you posted if you're on the mailing list. All right, thanks for listening. And, we, and we're doing the we're going to the Q and A now, correct? Yes, we're doing the Q and A. All right, put your questions right. into the um, uh, the comments field, please. Overlooking cultural differences when you're developing your business internationally can be the biggest mistake you can make. Let Chris and Peter help you avoid those mistakes. Get in touch now. Go to culturematters.com.